Well, amen. Okay. Sounds like I'm on here, so amen. Brother Joe gives me the thumbs up, so here we go. You know, uh, if you haven't been attending our uh, Sunday school, uh, you've been missing a great blessing. You've been really missing a great study in the life of David. In the life of David. And, and uh, Brother uh, Wolfram and I were talking this morning before we came out here uh, with the choir special uh, back in the back back there. And I seen him was mic'd up. And so I said, well, hey, I know who's preaching this morning. You know, and and uh, he said, yeah. And I said, well, pray for me. I'm preaching tonight. And, uh, and so he told me, uh, he told me uh, where he was coming from and, and uh, this morning where he was preaching. And I said, well, I'm going to be preaching uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 23. So if you want to, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23. And I was telling him, you know, we've been studying the life of David, and we've been doing that for the last couple of months, and, and, uh, and I've got that all right up here in my head, the study of David and everything. So tonight, what you're going to get is an extension, <laughs> an extension of the study that we have been doing for the last couple of months. And I tell you what, it's been a great study. I mean, uh, you, you all in the adult classes here, uh, and uh, hasn't it been a great study? Oh my, I've learned so much about David. <laughs> and I've learned so much about my life looking at David's life, you know. And, uh, and so that's why I need, you really need to commit, you need to really consider coming to Sunday school. I mean, you're missing a lot of Bible teaching if you're not coming to Sunday school and just attending church services. So if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 23, and uh, we're going to start our reading here in verse number 15. 15. And, David saw that, uh, and David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness, in, uh, wilderness of Zin in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood, and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not uh, find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be, uh, and I shall uh, be next unto thee. And that also Saul, my father, knoweth. And they two made a covenant between the Lord and David, abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Father, we ask you that you bless your, this time together. We ask you to bless your word. And Father... Uh, I need your help tonight, Lord. I've got so much going on in my head. And Father, I want to say what you'd have me to say tonight. These folks are here tonight to hear from you. And Father, I pray that you'll clear my thoughts. Help me, Lord, to speak what you'd have me to speak. Lord, Father, that this message would be a blessing tonight. And Father, that it would speak to hearts. God, help us to be faithful, trusting, serving Christians. Lord, the best we can be for you. And Father, we'll give you the praise and glory for it all tonight in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In our text tonight, we see David in the wilderness of Zim. And he's hiding from Saul who is seeking his life. And at this point in David's life, he has been running and hiding for quite some time. So, uh, the, the Christian scholars say that from the time that, uh, that Saul had threw that first javelin at, javelin at David, to the time that uh, Saul had died was about seven years span. Okay, so here's David. He's been running and hiding all this time. And can you just imagine? Can you just imagine how tired and weary and discouraged David is getting uh, at this point? And he's probably wondering, when will this pursuit for my life 
ever end? When it's going to end? And you know, when you get discouraged, uh, you know, you kind of tend to, to, to forget what God's done in your life. You know, discouragement does that, you know. And it gets you down and, and you start forgetting what God has done for you in, in your life and the victories that, it, that, it, that, uh, that uh, He has allowed you to win in your life to be a, a, a Christian that you need to be. And, and here's David, he's discouraged. He's out here, he's weary, he's tired. He's been being sued, being sued by Saul who's trying to take his life. Well, that's enough to make you under a lot of stress, isn't it? You know, somebody after you to take your life, that'll give you a lot of stress, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. And so here's David, he's running, he's hiding, and he's forgotten probably, he had, you know, he's probably forgotten all the great victories that God gave him. Especially the one that was over Goliath. <laughs> yeah, that great victory, that one great victory that made David the national hero of Israel. And so we're going to go through really briefly here, really quickly here, uh, about that event, because it's going to lead to my next point here. So David ends up on the, on the battle scene, okay? And nothing's happening. Nothing's happening at all, you know? And so he's wondering, well, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, David, uh, uh, the Goliath comes out, uh, the giant, and he starts doing his challenge to the Israelites, okay? To the men. And instead of going forward, those, uh, the, the, the Israelites, they run and hide. They're afraid of Goliath. And so David says, man, this, this can't be. This can't be. And so David, nobody's wanting to fight him, and so David volunteers. <laughs> hey, I'll go fight that giant. And so we know the story is that, uh, he, that uh, he went and got uh, the green light from uh, Saul, the king, to go fight the, uh, the giant Goliath. And so he ends up down in the valley there, and uh, the Bible says he picks up five smooth stones. And uh, as the giant was uh, rushing toward him and coming toward him, he, uh, he reaches in there, grabs it in a bag, puts a stone in one of those slings, and slings it out there. And God guides that rocket right into his head. And, and Goliath falls over, stone cold dead. Boom. You know, stone dead. Okay. It was funny when I was trying to put this together anyways. And so then David goes and runs and jumps on Goliath. And the Bible says he takes Goliath's sword out and he takes off Goliath's head. And so that's zero for the Philistines and one ahead for Israel. You guys are slow tonight. Man. <laughs> I mean, he laughed at Brother Mike this morning when he said no. So here he is. He's got this great victory. Saul is witnessing all this. He sees what's happened. <laughs> and he, so he tells Abner, his general, go out there and fetch this young man. Bring him to me. And so here's David. He's walking in. And he's going before the king. <clears throat> and the Bible says here, the Bible says when Saul called David to, to the palace, David walked in with the head of the Philistine still in his hand. He's walking in the palace. He's got Elias' head and he's walking in there. You know what that is? David's still holding on to that victory. <laughs> he's holding on to that victory that God just gave him. He's not going to let it go. He's still holding on to it. 
And I was telling my class here when we were in this part here and studying here that uh, when I could just see David walking in and carrying that head and looking around there and saying, Hey, Saul, hey, where did we want to mount this thing? <laughs> you know? Hey, listen, what wall did we mount this thing on? You know, we can put the head right here and put the sword over here and put the shield over here, put his helmet there, you know? Oh, you guys, deer hunters, you know what I'm talking about. You shoot that big buck. Honey, where can I put it? You know? You want to hang that head somewhere. Okay? And so he was still holding on to that victory uh, that God had just given him. And, and as he was holding on to that, holding on to that, and let's take a time out here, since I just turned my page on my 19th century tablet. Uh, Hey, time out here just a minute. You know, it's been a month since we've all been to camp. <clears throat> and we had, that following Sunday, we had four hours of testimony. Four hours of testimony service. Where one by one, everyone that went to camp came up to this podium and talked about the victory that God had given you that week. And the things that God had helped you with and all. It's been a month. How many of you are still holding on to that victory? How many of you are still holding on to that victory? Hey, David was still holding on to that victory. But now we see him <laughs> here in this woods here, in the wilderness. He's tired. He's weary. He's discouraged. And possibly he's ready to give it up and to quit. But do you know something? God sent a friend. God sent a friend to him. Look here in verse 16 again. Let me get back here. This air is blowing the pages up here. Verse 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David into the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Strengthened his hand in God. You know, Jonathan was a true friend to David. He was a true friend to David. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1, And it came to pass, uh, to pass when he, David, had made an end of his speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. As his own soul. The word knit here means bonded together or inseparable. And really, when you think about it, when you really think about this, this here and this friendship between Jonathan and uh, David, it's really a miracle of God. <laughs> it's really a miracle of God because here is, here is Jonathan, Jonathan, the son of the king. And Jonathan was supposed to be the one next in line to be the king. And, uh, and, and here he is, he's befriending David, who is going to be king in the future. And knowing that, he still befriends him. <laughs> he still befriends him. And you know, God put that within Jonathan's heart to befriend him. Because Jonathan played a big part in helping David get to where... God wanted him to be there, and God used Jonathan in that friendship to protect David and to watch over him 
and to be his friend. And tonight we're going to see that he's going to be the big encourager to David in his life. In his life. And so God was using Jonathan here and, when, and, and, and being next in line to be have the king. You know, Jonathan said, hey, that's okay. <laughs> that had to be a miracle of God to work that out. To work that out. So Jonathan goes to his friend, David, and comforts him and, and encourages him uh, not to quit and to keep on fighting uh, the fight. And in verse 17, he tells David to fear not. Fear not. Look here again. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be uh, next unto thee, and thou also Saul, my father, knoweth. So he says, hey, David, <laughs> hey, listen, you don't have to worry. Hey, this isn't going to last forever. Hey, listen, Saul's not going to find you. My father's not going to find you. God's going to protect you. Hey, you need to keep on keeping on in the fight. You need to keep going and serving the Lord. Hey, listen, listen, you're going to be king. You're going to be king. Hey, listen, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> when I was living in Alaska, me and my best friend, Larry Bounds, uh, got on the bus one morning there in Anchorage, and we started uh, and, and was going to uh, Whittaker, Alaska. Now, Whittaker, Alaska is a little uh, fishing uh, 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 town uh, there about 50 miles down the coast uh, from Anchorage there. And uh, Larry's mom on the weekends would go down there and work in a kitchen in a restaurant down there. And so we decided, hey, we're going to go down there and spend some, uh, and, and, and do some fishing down there. And uh, uh, his mom said it was okay, we could come down there, you know, and we're going to be fed good because she works in the kitchen down there, not a problem, two teenagers, yeah. Yeah, that's the deal, and plus we're going to get to fish and, and uh, just have a good time. So we got on the bus, and we started heading down to Whitaker there. And, uh, but Whitaker, the only way you can get to Whitaker is by train or by boat back then. Back when we were up there in 1907, 19, yeah, it was 1969-68-70. <laughs> my dates here. And back then, that's the only way you could get to this little fishing town, is by train or by boat. And so we were going to ride the bus down, down uh, to a place called Portage. And right there at, the, uh, at Portage uh, was a loading dock where they would load up cars and everything and then take them back in there uh, to the, uh, this little town there. And so that's where we were going to catch a train. And, of course, they had uh, passenger cars that you could get on. So when we got on this bus, we didn't realize that this bus when it was going down there, stopped at every little town. <laughs> I mean, just every little town that, uh, on the way down there. So by the time we got down there to Portage, and we got off the bus there and uh, unloaded our gear, we were looking around and said, where's the train at? <laughs> it wasn't there. It was gone. And it was the last train of the day. And so we're standing there, two teenage boys, and this is, for, and this is way before cell phones, you know. And the little uh, uh, area there uh, to, uh, uh, where they kept the tickets and all that, and, and, and uh, uh, it was all locked up. There was nobody there. 
So we just decided, well, hey, we'll just walk it. We'll walk it. And so he started walking down the railroad tracks. Now it was five miles, five miles from uh, Portage there to the town of Whitaker. And so no problem, walked five miles. So we got on the tracks, we picked up, we had a cooler that, uh, that we had there. We had our backpacks, we had our fishing gear, and so we started walking. And we started walking over those tracks. Well, in between Whitaker and Portage there, there's two mountains. <laughs> Which means there was two tunnels that you went through. The first tunnel you came to was one mile long. The second tunnel you came through to go under the mountain, which opened up right into Whitaker there, was two miles long. So here we are, we're walking along, and we're, you know, and, and, uh, and we get to that first, first tunnel. And we're looking in there, you know, and, and wondering, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're teenage boys. I was 14 then, he was 15, and so we said, ah, we, we can handle this. So we got to start walking into this tunnel. And so the further we got in, as, as the light behind us was kind of fading, we could see this little bitty light down at the other end. And so that's what we focused on, that light. And we just focused on that light, and we kept going to that little bitty light, and as we got further in, it got bigger and got bigger and got bigger, and so finally we were out. We were out of that one-mile tunnel, and immediately we're walking over this trestle, okay, this railroad trestle, this bridge, and we're walking on it, and uh, the river's down underneath us here, and it's rushing here. And that valley that was in between the two mountains here that we've gone was called Bear Valley. And so then all of a sudden we're thinking, why do they call it Bear Valley? <laughs> and so we started picking up our pace. <laughs> we wanted to get to that other tunnel, you know, and get through that valley there. So we picked up our pace, and we started walking there. Well, here we are, we entered that second tunnel, that two-mile that two tunnel. <clears throat> and as we got further in there, there was no little bitty light at the end. And as we got further in, and it was getting darker behind us, we could still see no little bitty light at the end. And now we're getting scared. And guy, we're getting worried. Because we can't see no light, and it's getting dark. So luckily, Larry, Larry had brought a flashlight. He remembered he had a flashlight in his backpack. So we're stumbling around there in, in the dark there, and, neither one, and, and finally we find his flashlight, and, uh, and, uh, and, he and we turn it on, and we're looking around in there, you know, and, and we're noticing, you know, there's not very much space between the wall and the track. And so we're looking around, and we're sitting there, and then we, we notice these numbers, up on the side of the side of the uh, tunnel there inside the tunnel. And we noticed these numbers and then as we were walking we were kind of focusing on those numbers and they and they were getting bigger. And they were getting bigger. Till finally we came to a place there where it said halfway point. Halfway point. Right there. Woo, we're halfway in. Then we was able to see just a little bitty light down at the end of that tunnel into that tunnel. And what our focus was, was, okay, that little bitty light, but then we started watching those numbers and they started getting smaller <laughs> as we went through. And they started getting smaller. And then we started getting some hope. And we were getting some encouragement. 
hey, these numbers are getting long, smaller. And also we could see that little bitty light down there and we was hoping it wasn't the headlight of a train coming this way. <laughs> That's what we were hoping. It wasn't the headlight of a train. And so as we went through there, we focused on those numbers and they were getting smaller and we just kept our focus on that light and we got through it. We got through it. You know, when you get in, get in discouragement, it can take you to a dark place, can't it? When you get discouraged, it can take you into a, in, into a pretty dark space. So when you are in a dark time in your life, look up to the light of the world and He will guide you out. He will guide you out. Psalms chapter 1, uh, 19 verse 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So David was, uh, Jonathan was a great friend to David. And God, sent, uh, and God sent Jonathan to David to be an encourager and a help and to encourage David to keep on keeping on and don't give up. <clears throat> well, you know, today we've got a friend. <laughs> we've got a friend. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says this, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And Jesus is always going to be here for us to encourage us to stay, to stay faithful in our Christian walk and the ministries uh, that we are working in and to not quit even when trials and tribulation comes to our way. Our way. Not only is he a personal friend in our lives, but he's been a real friend to our church, hasn't he? Jesus Christ has. You know, next Sunday we're going to be celebrating 50 years, our 50th anniversary. 50 years. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, that's a pretty remarkable uh, accomplishment for a church in this day and age. In this day and age. <clears throat> and it's because, uh, first and foremost, the great God we serve who, <clears throat> who has watched over us and protected His church all these years. To God be the glory. To God be the glory, first and foremost. But also because of the leadership God has given us Men who have not compromised the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Men who have set the standard high and lived the example and stayed in the fight serving God no matter how tough it got. God's given us some great leadership in this church. And thirdly, it's because of its people, the church members, who have weathered the storms of life and stayed faithful and continue and continues to work in the ministries of the church no matter what hardships and trials they faced. Faithful members. And God is used. In short, Riverside Baptist Church is still a lighthouse here in St. Joseph and growing because of the great God we serve and the leadership and, and, the, and, the leadership and people who didn't quit on God. Didn't quit on God. So what about the next 50 years? If God tarries. What about our next 50 years? Well, it's going to take our young people. It's going to take our young people to purpose in their hearts to serve the Lord no matter what. And no matter how tough they get, it gets. 
you young people are going to have to be Daniels in this day and age. And never, never say no to God. Never say no to God, young men, young ladies. Allow God to work in your life. You know, when I, com- when I, when I uh, committed to not saying no to God, that's when I really realized and seen how God, how powerful God is and what He can do. When the pastor would ask me uh, over the years, Brother Williams and now Brother Marshall and everything, hey, hey, I need you to do this, or would you consider teaching this, and would you consider uh, 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 taking a class? And because I, because I made that commitment to not tell God no, God enabled me to be able to teach and do the things and be in the ministries here at, at uh, Riverside Baptist Church. Not, not me. <laughs> All about Him. It's all about Him and what He's doing uh, in, our, in, our, in, in, in my life. And He can enable you no matter what He asks you to do. Can He, Brother Joe? <laughs> can He, Brother Brett? Yeah. If you knew me when I was a teenager and in high school and everything, uh, Man, I could not get up in front of people at all. <laughs> and for a long time, even going through Bible college and everything, I struggled and struggled and struggled. <laughs> and struggled. But you know, <clears throat> you know what? When you just, you just surrender to God, He just enables you. He just helps you and gives you the strength. So it's going to take our young people to be determined to purpose in your hearts to continue to serve God and to follow Him and never tell Him no. Our young adults and young married couples to step up and find a place to minister. (laughs) Find a place to minister. Hey, listen, you don't have to become (laughs) middle-agers in the church and wait that long to become uh, involved in the ministries here at Riverside Baptist Church. You know, uh, you don't have to wait that long. I remember when, just right after we, uh, Carol and I got married, we were there for a week there in Wichita Falls, and then we loaded up my uh, 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 dad's dreamer camper, all our belongings. <laughs> I think it fit in the middle aisle of that, uh, that dreamer camper, and we took off to Bible college. And once we got to Bible college there, we uh, uh, went over and joined High Street Baptist Church there. In High, and, uh, and so I went in there and... and, and uh, and talked to uh, one of the associate pastors there, and of course at that time is one of the largest churches in, in the state of Missouri, uh, High Street Baptist Church back, back in the 70s and all. And so, so I was talking to him and said, well, hey, where can I be used at? What can I, where, what can I do? And he said, well, our bus ministry uh, needs some help, so I go talk to uh, the bus captain there, and so, so he gives me a job. I'm a bus driver. All right, so I started driving a bus there for High Street Baptist Church, you know, and, and I didn't know where I was going uh, most of the time because I was new in town and everything, but I just got in there and started driving that bus. And uh, fortunately and luckily, I had this uh, bus captain there who knew where he was going, you know, and where to pick up the kids. But I just wanted to serve. I wanted to get involved. And you know what? From that time on, God put in my heart a love for youth and for kids. 
And then when we got out of Bible college there, we prayed and asked God, hey, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to serve there? Because like Brother Andrew said, you know, God, I didn't have the calling to go into full-time service. <clears throat> but I knew I was right where God wanted me to be in college there, in Bible college. And, and, and it was some years later that I figured out, well, why did you have me there? And I had total peace about being there, but you weren't calling me, God. Well, God knew... God knew with this young man, and in order for me to be used of him in the ministry, he knew that I had to have some discipline. He knew that I had to, had to learn about his word and, 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 and grow up, and he had to have me in Bible college to do that. I was so unstable. I grew up in a military family, you know, and, and we moved all over this country there. And, and, and Brother Andrews knows this, you know, back in that time, you know, we were maybe at one place, maybe a year, and then we were moved somewhere else. And then one couple of times, we were, I moved in the middle of a school year, you know. And so I was so unstable. And that's where God stabilized me, I can put it that way, you know, so that I could be useful just to be a layman in a church. And I tell you what, those are some of the sweetest times in our marriage <laughs> in Bible college. And there were some of the sweetest times, and, 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 it, was, and it was a time of growth because, because you know, a lot of times we'd, uh, we'd uh, spend the paychecks there, and then maybe we'd have maybe $5 cash next to, 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 to the next paycheck, and God just made it last. He kept gas in that car. No 70 cutlass I drove the whole time, brother. <laughs> you know? And he just made things last. And he showed us and showed me that he could take care of us. He could take care of us. You know, you need to get involved. <laughs> you need to get involved. God wants to use you. And I tell you what, if you just surrender... He'll give you a place to serve here, and He'll enable you to do that. So it's going to take our young people to purpose in their hearts. It's going to take our young adults here and our young married couples to step up and find a place to minister. Hey, what about us middle-agers? <laughs> Not us. Not me. Y'all. <laughs> Been there, done that. Hey, our middle-agers... And we're talking about the next 50 years if God tarries. Or maybe the next 40 years. The next 30. Or how about just the next week? Hey, listen. Middle-agers, you guys need to continue to raise your children in the house of God and encourage one another in the Lord and continue to serve where God has you serving and never entertain the thought of quitting the Lord. Never. One of the greatest things you guys, you guys can be to each other as you're raising family and kids and everything is just encourage one another. Get together. Have fellowship. Encourage one another in the Lord. Let your kids run around together. <laughs> 
it's such a blessing just to see after church how many of our, our young families here are still here and still visiting and enjoying their time together. Just keep on keeping on. Just keep on trusting God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 and verse 25 says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but in, in, in exhorting one another and as so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching. Hey, until uh, and, and for us as the ones who are past middle-aged, <laughs> you know what we need to do? Uh, we just need to, to continue to be the examples to the younger Christians. And we need to be ready to give testimony of God's power, mercy, and grace uh, He provides during the hard times that we faced in our life as a Christian. Young Christians. Young adults. And middle-agers. How God got us through all that time. And give testimony. And continue to pray and serve where God has us. You know, God's not done with us yet. <laughs> God's still using us. And He will use us until He calls us home. He calls us home. Isaiah chapter 35 and verses 3 and 4 says this, Strengthen ye the, uh, the weak hands, confirm the feeble knees, say to them that are of fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, and even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Yes, we have a friend in Jesus who is there to pick us up when we fall and give us strength when our strength is gone. He's there for us. And here's the last point here. <clears throat> you don't have to be perfect to be used of God. <laughs> you don't have to be perfect. For those of you that are here tonight and think God can't use you, well, think again. Think again. God specializes in using people with deficiencies. <laughs> I ought to know. <laughs> With deficiencies. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, uh, God says He uses the foolish uh, to confound the wise. Listen to this list of people God used who were less than perfect. And of course, if you had been in Sunday school, you would have heard this list. <laughs> in Sunday school. So just remember, Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. <laughs> Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. <clears throat> Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. 
Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus, well, he was dead. (laughs) He was dead. But it's not about our strength. It's all about Him and what He can do in our lives. That's what it's all about. And our lesson goes on, and our lesson went on to say this. Our success in our Christian walk is based on the uh, sufficiency of our God. Of our God. Because Jesus conquered death and hell and the grave, we can be confident that we can finish our race well. Uh, Well. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, for him endureth the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God will use us if we are willing to be used. Because it's not our abilities or our disabilities. It's all about His strength and what He does in us and through us. So we're at the conclusion. You know, when, Daniel, when, David, needed, uh, when David was discouraged and ready to quit, God sent a friend, Jonathan, to comfort and to lift him up in the Lord, and to keep and and to keep and and to tell him to keep on keeping on and not quit. And we and when we are discouraged and ready to quit, we have a friend whose name is Jesus, and he is able to pick us up and provide the encouragement we need to keep on keeping on. First Peter chapter five verses six and seven says this: Humble yourselves therefore under the Mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He careth for us. <clears throat> and you know, most of the time, the encouragement that, that He provides comes from right here. <laughs> this book. This Bible. His Word. His Word. That's why it's important to read it. Oh, if you're not reading it, boy, you're missing out on something that God, God can help you with. If you're discouraged out here, how's your Bible reading going? Are you getting into it? Are you letting God speak to you through it? Let me share with you a passage of Scripture God showed me while I was, on, uh, while I was at camp. It wasn't in, it wasn't in uh, and I give testimony that night, it wasn't in, the, uh, in, in one of the preaching services. It was during one morning, I was sitting on a porch swing and having my coffee. <laughs> and when I walked up there, I noticed there was a Bible there on a swing. And so I picked that Bible up and went over and sat down in that chair <clears throat> and I opened it up and it opened up to Psalms 121. And if you've got your Bibles, open them up, one, and, uh, and I want you to read that with me. Psalms 121. At the time there, I was needing some encouragement. <laughs> and God showed me this verse 
Psalms 121, and it says this, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shield, uh, shade unto thy feet or thy right hand, excuse me. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, and he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in uh, from this time forth and ever and even forever. God knew that I needed that, that, that verse in my life that week. <laughs> I was coming back from camp and was going to have some tests done. <laughs> and I was worried about those tests. And I, uh, and I, even, I even approached the pastor and Brother Andrew, I don't know if I need, really need to go to camp. because I was worried about this health issue. But talking with my pastor and everything, he, he uh, encouraged me to go. He said the tests aren't going to be until after the camp. And he says, you might as well come to camp. <laughs> You're going to be waiting anyways. Might as well just come to camp. <laughs> and like I said, that Tuesday morning, God gave me this verse. I said, God, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. I'm going to trust you. So I had the test done and everything, and, and, uh, and everything came back negative. We got a great God. And I want to encourage you tonight don't ever give up. If God's got is using you and you're in, in, in working in a ministry here and and, uh, and 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 you get discouraged, then we do. I mean, it, it it's reality. I mean, we live in this flesh, we live in this world, and and and, and right now it's not too positive, is it? <laughs> right now you can't watch the news without being so discouraged. You can't even walk the streets anymore and, and not be discouraged. And I tell you what, my encouragement is on Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, Sunday mornings. And I tell you what, I'm encouraged when Carol and I come up here on Thursdays and, and just, just, just here at the church and, do, and clean. That's an encouragement. It's being by my brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's right here too every morning. <laughs> it starts with this. Every day. Make it part of your life. It'll get you through the day. And God will speak to you. Continue to keep on keeping on. Father, we just pray and ask the Lord that this message has been a blessing and an encouragement. And Father, we'll give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>